Peace be with you. I have some announcements here that I'd like to direct your attention to in the bulletin insert here. Um, Bible studies. Tuesday evenings, uh, well actually Monday evenings, we've been having a Bible study uh, via Zoom. And it's a small group and more are invited to attend. The format is on the daily devotions that we have, which are the portals of prayer. And we get together at 7 p.m. However, we're going to move that to Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. So you are invited, if you'd like to attend and get a Zoom invitation, then uh, what I would need for you to do is to let Ashley know and tell her that you'd like to attend. Um, We'll need your email address. And then uh, shortly before 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, the night of the of the study, I'll shoot you off an invitation, and all you have to do is move your cursor on there and click on it, and you're in. You don't have to have the Zoom product on your uh, computer or anything like that. So anyway, um, that, is, that is open. Also, uh, a new Bible study is going to start on um, February the 2nd, Tuesday, at noon. And so we will be studying the book of Luke, and it is a publication, uh, the study guide that is from Concordia, good, uh, solid teachings. looks like a lot of fun. I've been working with it myself, and so that will start on February the 2nd, Tuesday, February the 2nd at noon. Bring a lunch. We can, it'll be informal as almost everything that I do with you, as you know, is informal, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll try to keep it about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, and then we can all go our ways on on Tuesday. So that is uh, the next thing I want to mention are recyclables. Thank you for being faithful over the years, bringing your recyclables. However, during this period of time of COVID and so forth, we haven't had the um, ability to to get the the, uh, the recyclables, to crush them, to make sure they're clean, and to take them to the place. And so we are doing away, postponing the recyclable program uh, as has been done. So please no longer bring um, you know the cans and bottles and paper and batteries and so forth because we just don't have. Uh, Uh, We're just not doing that for for now, okay? Um, If that is something that you would like to see continue going, then I invite you to talk to me after the service, and I would love to put you in charge. Okay? No hands. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that is a, it's a, it's a, was a wonderful and is a wonderful ministry. However, the, uh, the people that have been doing it are not getting out right now. And there were just things that were kind of complicating it. Like, they don't really look like garbage cans at all. But coffee and cake and plates and stuff was going in there. And so it just, we decided to, to just take a break. Okay, and then, um, oh, there is a birthday coming up on Tuesday, and it's Ashley's birthday, and I'm not going to tell you which one it is, 40, but um, so I would like for us to sing happy birthday to Miss Ashley right now. Can we do that? And a one, and a two, and a three. 
Happy birthday to you. She's turning red. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ashley. Happy birthday to you. Awesome. Well, let us get to worship now. And our opening hymn is Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The song comes up.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain 
whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully, Look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verse 10. This can be found on page 1438 in your pew Bible. As you know, Jonah was a reluctant prophet. Like Jonah, we may have to do things in life that we don't want to do, and sometimes we want to turn and run away like Jonah did. Uh, Jonah tries to run away from God, but as we know the story of the whale, but God in his mercy gave him another chance to serve him when he returned to God in his prayers. So we're gonna read Jonah 3, one through five. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it the message I gave you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by doing a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. We're going to read Psalm 62 responsively, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. This psalm by David is about placing all of our hope in God. We'll always have problems, but always look to God for our salvation. Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. 
How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? It's different here. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul. Like, <laughs> okay, so I have a different printing than you guys do, so bear with me. Um, Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock my refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. The epistle this morning is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 through 35, and it can be found on page 1779 in the Pew Bible. In this reading, Paul urges us to understand that earthly needs are temporary, and it's more important to have a devotion to God. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 35. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they do not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use things in the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, from the first chapter. 
Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and can be found on page 1552 in your pew Bible. Mark 1, 14 through 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because we know that nothing good comes anywhere else. We, this morning, and last Sunday, but this morning we heard several accounts of God calling men into holy ministry. The Old Testament reading is the account of God calling Jonah to serve the people of Nineveh. And the gospel this morning is the account of Jesus calling four of his disciples to become fishers of men. The reading from Jonah is part of a a much longer account of God working with a very reluctant prophet. When God originally called Jonah to go to Nineveh, uh, what did he do? Yeah, he, he ran the other way. He, well, let's just start here. You see, Israel and Assyria were bitter enemies, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Jonah hated the Assyrians. I guess the more proper thing was he really didn't like them very much. And the truth is, he didn't want to go anywhere near him with God's word because he knew God's nature and they were probably going to come to faith. 
So if the Holy Spirit worked faith in them, then God would forgive them. And that was the last thing that Jonah wanted to happen because he hated the Assyrians. So Jonah literally booked passage on a ship that would take him as far from Nineveh as he possibly could go in the world as he knew it. He's out of there. He literally attempted to do the exact opposite of God's call to him so that the people of Nineveh would die in their sins. That was his intent. That is how much Jonah hated. How much Jonah hated the Ninevites. And of course, we know that God intervened. He allowed a major storm. He allowed a major storm to threaten the well-being of the ship. And Jonah was so intent on avoiding the people of Nineveh that he convinced Listen to me. He convinced the sailors to throw him overboard into the stormy seas. And he knew that God was angry with him. And in his little mind, he thought, well, if I drowned in sea, in the sea, God would no longer need to punish the ship. And Sure enough, the sailors threw Jonah into the sea, and the storm calmed, and the sailors were able to continue their journey in safety, only without Jonah. Now, we, <laughs> we know that instead of drowning in the sea, God sent a great fish to carry Jonah back to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean. Now, many people know this account as the story of Jonah and the whale. But the Bible actually states that it was a giant fish that swallowed Jonah and carried Jonah back to the east. And we know that when the fish got to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, it, it vomited Jonah onto the shore. So, there is Jonah on the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, covered in fish barf, vomit. And God called him again. Well, what is a, what's an angry prophet supposed to do? How can you fight a God who can send a giant fish after you? And as we heard this morning, Jonah did go into Nineveh and Assyria, and he preached God's judgment on them. The Holy Spirit worked through the message that God gave to Jonah. The people in Nineveh repented, and God forgave them. And we can learn several things from Jonah. First of all is this, that God, his call to the prophets, his call to apostles, his call to pastors and teachers, they are sinners, just like every one of us, just like 
everyone else. And second, what we can learn is that the most hate-filled thing that a servant of God can do is to keep God's word to himself. Jonah hated the Assyrians, and so he determined not to share God's message with them. And then finally we learn that God's message is a blessing to us even if the messenger is not. The message of God was a blessing of forgiveness even from the hate-filled mouth of Jonah. And just as he had called Jonah to proclaim his message to Nineveh, Jesus also called men to witness the saving work of his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. And not only were these men called to witness this work, but they were also called to proclaim his work to the world. We know that as Jesus preached, he also called disciples to follow him in Mark 1, 16 through 20, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother who were in their boats. They were mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Now these four men and the others that Jesus chose were, were not full of hatred, like Jonah was, but they all had their individual and unique weaknesses, didn't they? As we follow Jesus in his ministry, we will see the men fail again and again. Jesus will teach them, but they will often fail to understand what Jesus said. And while Jesus will proclaim the kingdom of God, they will often argue. We get to see it. They'll argue which one of them is the greatest. They will walk with, they will eat with, they will hear God in the flesh, but they will focus on their own concerns instead. And even so, they will be the ones who proclaim God's kingdom after Jesus ascended back to the Father. And again, we learn that God's called prophets, God's called apostles, God's called pastors and teachers are sinners, just like 
everyone else. In fact, it sometimes seems as though God goes out of his way to choose the most unlikely, (laughs) the unlikely candidates to proclaim his message. And as the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is the message. It is the message, not the messenger, who is important. And Martin Luther said, after the Reformation got underway, he said, I did nothing. The Word did everything. Amen? Nothing has really changed over the centuries. God still calls the most unlikely men to proclaim his kingdom, to proclaim Christ and him crucified. But how can God take sinful, wounded men and make them bearers of eternal life? Why would he do such a thing? Well, here's the thing. If he created a special kind of person for ministry, could you relate to your pastor? Or could he relate to you if he was special? Look, we share together a life of ups and downs and questions and of doubts and fears. It's true, right? It's a life of sin that we all share. But we share something greater than those things. We share the message of eternal life. When we sing it, the words of Peter, Hallelujah. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of a hallelujah. It's like it's all connected. What a beautiful reminder. Remember what Jesus proclaimed after John was put in prison in the Scripture today? Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The fulfillment of all things was right there, present in him when he said those words. In this one man came the kingdom of God that was not distant, not unapproachable, but kind of crashing in on them, standing right in front and beside them and on us. Here was God himself who had become a man. Here was God who bore all of our human woes, all of our fears and pain. Have you been crushed with guilt? Have you been crushed with pain, with sorrow? Look to Jesus. He knows. 
He knows you. And he bears it. He bears it with you. And he bears it for you. And this is why he gives his people pastors. When God seems distant, here is a man who shares your humanity and speaks for the one who has redeemed the world, including you. He stands in the place of Christ, bringing the ear of Christ in confession and the heart of Christ in absolution. Do you fear death? Do you fear death? Then look to Jesus. He's already been there. And he has some great news for you. For he is the one who has entered death, even death on the cross. And he has borne all the guilt of sin for you and every other sinner. He shed holy and innocent blood in your place. Yet death could not hold him, we know. On Easter morning he rose, destroying the power of sin and death and hell. And this he proclaimed to you. When a pastor, a fisher of men, poured water upon you in his name, and you became one with Jesus in death, and resurrection at the font. Come to Christ's altar where the pastor will place the very body and blood of Jesus into your hand. The very body and blood of Jesus given, broken, and shed for you. And here you receive a meal of forgiveness, a meal of life, and a meal of hope. This is a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb. And here is the kingdom of God that's not distant, but breaking into your moment in time in this time, in just a few minutes. So you come, come broken, and you leave whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole. You come burdened, and you leave free. Come and see and taste the kingdom of God. It's just that important. It's just that much of a gift. So God called Jonah to minister to a congregation that Jonah hated. And in spite of the hatred that Jonah had for Nineveh, God still worked repentance in that city. And the people of Nineveh received the forgiveness of sin. 
And in spite of the failures of the apostles, Christ still sent them to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name and the word of the Lord grew as a result. He made them into fishers of men. And God still calls sinful men into ministry today. And in spite of their shortcomings, the Christ that they proclaim still forgives sins and proclaims eternal life through their mouths. And their hands still give out the body and the blood of Christ, given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. And it's not them, but the message of Jesus that they proclaim that is important. And what is that message? In Jesus' words, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen.
your feet I lay my life down for you my king you're all I want now and my soul sings Jesus Jesus at your feet oh to dwell in heavenly Jesus Jesus at your feet there is no Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I couldn't cover everything in uh, the prayer this morning, but the great news is that the Holy Spirit resides in each of us, and therefore God already knows everything on our hearts. But you might also meditate on the list at the bottom of page five in your bulletin. Please pray with me. Holy Father, 
Thank you for saving our souls through the sacrifice of your only son, Jesus, in spite of our continued sins against you. Try as we might, we can't seem to escape our natural tendencies to break your commandments, even though our actions only make our own lives miserable at times. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to reside within us to guide our thoughts and actions, to comfort our grief, to ease our fears, and to constantly communicate our imperfect prayers to you, translated into perfect form by the Holy Spirit's power. Thank you, Holy Father, for hearing our prayers, though we don't deserve to be heard. You already know that our nation is divided and full of hate. We grieve for this situation, which we have created by the self-serving and power-hungry politics of our national and state leaders and representatives, whom we have chosen. International leaders demonstrate the same greed for power to the detriment of the people they lead. Holy Father, it's really hard to see the beauty of a sunrise you created when there are severe storm clouds all around us. We know that this is nothing new to mankind's life on earth. Many times in past centuries, your people have turned away from you and Satan has filled the void. We haven't learned from the past, so we repeat it. Help us, Almighty God, to trust in your love for us to return to you and your precepts for a good life and to reject the lies, deceit, and hypocrisy of our secular society and those who profit in it. Please continue to shine light on our sins, protect our ability to speak truth openly and humbly without retribution, and frustrate anyone whose goals are to silence those who follow your path. Holy Father, we know that our first petition can only be answered by your hand directly because we always make things worse when we try to help, and we've helped enough. But beyond fixing the problems of our society, we're bold to ask that you also remove the COVID virus in its many forms from our world. We thank you for guiding the various world scientists to discover ways to protect us from infection, and we give thanks that President Trump and his staff worked tirelessly to encourage and enable manufacture and distribution of a vaccine without delay. We pray that you guide us and other nations to provide vaccines to all the world's people. Holy Spirit, please be with those who suffer the effects of many physical and mental illnesses. Keep them in your care and heal them in accordance with the will of our Holy Father. Please continue to comfort us in the knowledge that you, our Holy Father and his son Jesus, are always with us, regardless of the dangers we face on earth. We pray for our president and his cabinet. We pray that you would grant him wisdom in his decisions, humility and discernment in considering advice, an understanding of the lessons of history, and knowledge as to what is right in your eyes, rather than those who would lead him astray for personal gain, proud of hatred and revenge. We also pray for wisdom, tolerance, and goodwill for our citizens, as we all face the trials before us today. We pray for the safety and health of our nation. We are in peril, Holy Father, and we humbly seek your saving grace for our country. If we fail, Lord, 
Who will stand to protect the oppressed around the world? Holy Father, thank you for bringing us friends and companions who ease our grief, lend us support when we stumble, admonish, admonish us when we are arrogant, and encourage us to see good in the midst of darkness. We also thank you for our pastor who constantly reminds us that we are okay because you are with us even when our boat seems to be sinking in this storm. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for sending gentle rains to clear our air, slow us down from our busyness, bring beautiful snow to our mountains, and calm our thoughts by the soothing sounds of the falling rain. Peaceful sleep returns because of your merciful grace. Please help us be kind to one another in spite of our sinful nature and tendency to return anger for anger. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us that we are as sinful before our Heavenly Father as are those whom we criticize in our daily lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving all who are faithful in your name. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly from a distance. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them you offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption that all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us. Jesus. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. His body, his blood, given and shed for you is for all people who confess and believe, who are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a means of grace. This does work forgiveness of sin and deliver you from death, the devil, and hell. It's a comfort. It's a gift. And it's for you. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward. Oh, 
And because of that and what he did on the cross, it's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Now the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.